All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ethos Celtics podcast. We are coming to you after three games. Uh, specifically, the game tonight was a one twenty-eight to seventy-five victory over the Sacramento Kings. Had to get that out of the way before I introduce my wonderful co-host Patrick. How are you doing tonight, Patrick? Man, you're too nice. You're too nice. Wonderful. Like he's just you giving me way too much. Here. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. Sports have been really kind to me lately. Uh, for the people that don't know, I am a big 49ers fan, so I uh, got to enjoy some football over the weekend and enjoy a, a very nice victory against Aaron Rodgers. And then <clears throat> got to watch some some pretty good Celtics games, man. Got to catch the Boston Celtics mile in the, the Kings tonight, and then we also had uh, Jason Tatum with a 50-piece before that. So I'm really excited to to go into potting tonight and just really talk about some Celtics. It's been one of the few times this year I've been super, super excited for a podcast. Yeah, you know, the team, it's definitely, you know, easier and more fun to podcast when the team is doing well. You know, I'm sure everybody can understand that. And we really are playing incredibly well in our last two games. And honestly, uh, our last 11 games, I believe we're eight out of our last 11. So eight and three. Um Maybe seven and seven and four, but still, that's you know a lot of progress from where our team once was. Uh, shout out your Niners for former Patriot Jimmy G. You know, there's probably a lot of Patriots fans listening. Jimmy G holding it down over there. Um, but yeah, we can get into the game we haven't mentioned yet first. Uh, if you'd like uh, the Blazer game, which as we all know was a loss, one hundred nine to one hundred five. And uh, Patrick, I would just like to get your thoughts, man. What what really went wrong besides uh, Yusuf Nurkic channeling his inner Arvidas Sabonis? I mean, letting the letting the Blazers come back in this game um, really is where they went wrong. It was kind of like the, the old Celtics of what we're kind of accustomed to. Uh, thought the Celtics were pretty bad down the stretch. Portland just went on a 9-0 run to end the game, and ultimately, like, weren't able to weren't able to to come together and, and get a win against a team that didn't have Damian Lillard. You know, it's kind of been the story for the Celtics at times. We've seen them play the Clippers twice, lose to the Clippers um, without Paul George, and then you see a team like Portland. It just seems like sometimes we just play down the competition. So I guess you know, comparing it to tonight's game with um, the the Kings, I guess that's kind of like, wow, this is the, the opposites of scales, not playing down to the competition and doing what we're supposed to. So uh, thought to, <clears throat> that that Portland game was just a little wild and weird to me. Yeah, you know, definitely not a good game from the Celtics perspective. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, we just really didn't play well down the stretch and, you know, like Portland went on that 9-0 run, really kind of, you know, I swear the momentum was going. Um, and like you said, there was no Damian Lillard. And, you know, it's not like Portland is a good team at all right now. They've actually been one of the worst teams, you know, in the NBA as of late. So uh, that was definitely disappointing. You know, I really thought that was going to be, you know, a victory for us to, you know, get back on the right track after the loss to the Hornets. But, uh, you know, the Celtics more than made up for it in the next two games. So I'm really not, you know, going to harp too much on the Blazer game, I don't think. But. I mean, I think what really killed us at the end of the day was uh, just missed shots, honestly. We missed a lot of open, open, open threes that, you know, you just can't miss if you want to win games, man. I, I also wanted to shout out our boy uh, Romeo Langford, um, scoring more than 
uh, nine points uh, in consecutive games for the first time in his career. Um, that Portland game was the second time he scored 10 points or more in back-to-back games in his career. Shout so, out Romeo. Love to see him. Yeah, I'd love to see Romeo scoring at least 10 points in two straight games. Um, but yeah, man, we, we go, we can hop right into that Wizards game. That Wizards game was yeah, crazy. Just last thing I'll sneak in is, uh, uh, 11 for 37 on threes. Yeah, that was Sorry to cut you off. also, also, no, no, we should also, speaking of threes, Jason Tatum continued his miss streak of threes in that Portland game, made zero of them. Extended it all the way to 20 missed consecutive threes. Um, just just a little trivia for our our boy Lucas here. Uh, Lucas, that was the longest missed three pointer streak of Jason Tatum's career. Ooh. What do you think his second longest streak of missed three pointers was? Okay, so I'm gonna let me can I let me get one hint. Okay. It's going to narrow down the options, but is it single or double digits? And if you don't want to give me it, then I'll just guess. I'll give you a different clue. I'll tell you that this streak happened in 2019. I'm going to say 14. No, 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 12, 12, 12. 12, okay. You should just look at 14 because the answer was 16. You, wow. you went the opposite direction. Damn you would have went If uh, I went up to, I would have had, yep. uh, yeah, had, uh, had the right answer, but – yeah, I mean, you know, like we were kind of talking before the show, Patrick, and you were just saying like, you know, Tatum does have these stretches to begin the year where, you know, he kind of starts down and then he goes on the absolute tear. And uh, that was probably when that happened, I assume. I'm not sure if you have the dates, but I assume that was probably when it happened towards the beginning of the year. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Ab- yeah. yeah. I mean, that, Tatum just, just kind of having this struggle, man, was just kind of weird. Yeah, and then, I mean, then now, 100%, we can hop over to the Wizards game. Like, you can kick off your thoughts here. I know you started it's the 50-point game from Tatum, and he definitely broke the streak in this game. You know, it was nice because it was the first shot he took. He got it out the way, like, right off the rip, right? It was – had a good look, hits the three, and was like, all right, cool. We can all just stop counting because I think the record is 24 consecutive threes in a row missed from one player. Uh, it's either 24 or 23, and I was just like, man, if Tatum breaks this record, I'm never going to hear the end of it. And I'm so happy that he broke out of that streak, and he's just been on an absolute heater since he was on 20 missed. But that Wizards game kind of set him set him straight, though. And the, I think also the key portion to this Wizards game wasn't even Tatum's 50 points or even his Tatum in general. I thought the key thing in the Wizards game was getting Marcus Smart back. Agreed. No, I mean, Smart, we were talking again pre-show about how Smart is clearly committed to developing his game as a facilitator now. Like, Smart, like, when was the last time you really saw a really bad uh, heat check or, or a bad chuck from Smart? I mean, Patrick, I don't know about you. It feels like it's been a while. And even some shots that were, like, you know, okay to take, but maybe not the best shots – seems like he's passing those up to to move the ball and like you know I preached this weeks ago and you know I think people came down really hard on Marcus for maybe not being you know an awesome point guard so far this year but dude it takes a lot of time to develop that skill set it's one of the hardest positions to play in sports let alone basketball at the professional level and if you go from you know having been a lead scoring guard you know pretty much your whole life as opposed to like a pure point guard it's going to take some time to adjust and I'm with you I think getting him back in the Wizards game 
really, really, you know, set us right and, you know, help Tatum get his 50. Yeah, also Tatum was just good everywhere on the court. He was playing good defensively. He was making the right passes. He was grabbing boards. And then he was just getting to his spots. He was really just fluid, straight butter, man. This is like a hot knife going right through butter. That's what Jason Tatum was like all night. So I was just like, damn. I don't think anybody on the planet could have guarded Tatum on that Wizards night. But also, I will say Bradley Beal didn't do much resistance. I don't think the Wizards really had much resistance. They kind of played off Tatum. They didn't double him ever. They just made the game too easy for him. And you like to see Jason Tatum taking advantage of that. And hopefully this is a sign of steering the ship in the right direction for Jason Tatum. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, you know, he was phenomenal, like you said, in all facets of the game. And that's one thing that I continue to love about Jason Tatum's game is that you've said this a bunch of times this year, even on his off shooting nights, man, he's bringing us positive basketball, positive value in other facets, you know, his defense, his rebounding, his passing, you know, his team defense, like along with his individual defense. Um, he just brings value everywhere, you know, not just scoring. And I think that's what really sets him apart as, you know, a superstar level player from a lot of other players. Um, I will say um, this game right here, Jason Tatum is now the all time leader in 50 point games for the Boston Celtics. You know, this early in his career, that's incredibly impressive, you know, given who has played for the Celtics over the years. I would most notably, you know, put Larry Bird and Paul Pierce up there as scores, but to already have passed Larry Bird in 50 point games. I mean, Listen, Larry's one of the greatest scorers of all time. I know times were different back then, less possessions, this and that, less threes, but nonetheless, incredibly impressive, uh, you know, what Jason has done in his time with the Celtics. Yeah, Jason Tatum's just been really great, man. Um, also, going into halftime, Jason Tatum had 31 points. He is also the only NBA player this season to score 30 points in a first half. Man was balling, man. He was, he he was had balling. 24 he was... tonight. So, you know, that's back-to-back massive first halves. And honestly, Patrick, I would like to see, like, he's also just – I'm not going to say, like, the the aggression randomly popped up in the last few games um, from Tatum, but it has seemed, you know, over the recent, I would say probably a couple weeks, few weeks, you know, he's made a concentrated effort to get downhill and not chuck. And uh, I just think that's going to do wonders for his game. I really do. No, I, I think so too. And there's actually some quotes coming out tonight in regards to Jason Tatum. And he's kind of just talking on his attacking. He said, it might have been a blessing in disguise when I couldn't hit a three, but still tried to find ways to score. And I like that message from Jason Tatum because it, it shows that he, one, acknowledged that his shooting struggles were there. And he didn't try to just like forcefully shoot himself out. Um, he just took the shots that he felt were still comfortable within the offense and the looks that he got, but still found other ways to impact and score. So Jason Tatum understanding and unlocking that, showing his aggressiveness, I think he's starting to realize how easier it is for him to get to the rim because on 80 to 90% of the guys in the league can't stop him from getting to the rim. There's literally like there's very little amount of teams that have guys to slow him down. Not every team has a Giannis. Not every team's going to have a uh, a Bam. Yeah, so the, the guy that you can really put on him, body him, to stop him from getting to that rim um, and just forcefully getting easy buckets. So Jason Tatum acknowledging that. And 
it's, you know, pushing towards being aggressive when the shot's not falling. Yeah, I really love to hear that from Tatum, you know, just that self-awareness as a player that's, you know, so crucial for improvement, which I never thought he lacked or anything like that. But, uh, you know, it's always good to hear, especially about, you know, something we've talked about so much is, you know, him getting downhill, getting to the hoop, getting those easy buckets, because we all know he can make the hard shots. It's just, you know, he can make life easier for himself. And I, I really, uh, you know, I'm glad he's like seeing that and, you know, really attacking. Absolutely love that. Um, trying to think of anything else from the Wizards game. Like you said, man, not a lot of defensive resistance, I will admit. You know, not trying to take anything away from how the Celtics played, but, you know, the Wizards are just not a good defensive team. Yeah, they're not. And Bradley Bill really struggled in that game, not really yeah. able to, to do much. Um, third quarter kind of just wrote, just fluidly coasted. Went into the fourth quarter um, up 91 to 69 and was just able to coast to a victory. But Jason Tatum was just unstoppable, man. Uh, Marcus Smart had a really nice uh, bounce off the back of a defender in that game on the inbound pass. Oh, I thought awesome that was play. awesome. That's one of my all time favorite basketball plays right there, honestly. Yeah, and then honestly, not that specific Jason, play, just, you know, bouncing it off the defender's back. I don't know if you ever were had an opportunity to do that in Patrick, but. I feel like I waited like my entire basketball career for somebody to be dumb enough to turn around. And when it finally happened, bro, I missed his back. I literally blew it, dude. But it's <laughs> And that's why I'm here talking about basketball and, uh, you know, not out there playing. Not in the NBA. <laughs> not in the NBA. <laughs> that's what stopped that specific Lucas from moment. making the NBA. Otherwise, I had a clear shot straight to the – no, I'm just kidding, of course. If Lucas could throw a ball off the back of a person – He's That's the, the only NBA. thing stopping me. I mean, well, actually, Patrick, I'll be honest. There's a couple other things like my handles, my shooting, my size, my speed, my athleticism. What? No. Yeah, yeah, maybe only a couple. But besides those five any, any, things. Uh, any other podcasters want want the smoke in a 2v2? By the oh. way, me, me and Lucas are giving you buckets. I would, I, I'm going to 100% back that up. You know, especially uh, we got to get the sports ethos basketball tournament going. Pat, we're taking that home every time. But uh well, yeah, you know, we can continue on to actual good basketball. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, do you want to move on to the next game or you got any other thoughts on the, uh... um, I do have a, a, a hey, stat here though. Um, with 51 points, 10 rebounds and seven assists in that game against the wizards, Unreal. Jason Tatum joined Jalen Brown as the fourth pair of teammates in NBA history with a 50 point, 10 rebound game in the same exact season. Unbelievable. Do you know who the other three pair of teammates are? Fifty point ten rebounds. Can you give me roughly errors? I will. I will give you this. I will give you this. You are not going to get two of the pairs. I will say the. I will say the two pairs you won't get. Bob Whoa. Pettit and Cliff Hagen back in sixty two, sixty one. All right, now don't tell me if this next team is the Buffalo Braves. I was going to guess it, but no, it's not. Okay. It was ninety one sixty two as well. It was Elgin Baylor and and, and Lu- Rudy Larusso. Oh yeah, dude! I was gonna guess that. Why would you give it away? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've never. And I will give you. I will give you this one. The pair. Yeah. The the other pair is from 2019-2020 season. So two seasons ago. Bro. How am I not going to get this? Um, 2019, 20. Bro, I, I don't, uh, bro, I got nothing. Um, oh, wait, 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 wait. Is it kind of a weird one? Is it weird? 
it's 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 a little weird because you probably aren't going to expect the second person, but the first person you definitely like. Okay, makes sense. I don't know. This is I'm just going to give you a random. This is a shot in the dark. I will go with Cat and Andrew Wiggins. That was a very odd one in the dark. Um, I think I thought Wiggins scored fifty. That's why, but um, no, 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 no. But Giannis oh, that was easy dropped one. fifty, and his teammate did as well, Chris Middleton. See, that was honestly my first thought in my head, but I literally was like, there's no way Chris Middleton had a 50-piece. But That's why I was like, it's a little tough because, I mean, thinking Middleton had a 50-piece. That must have been against the Celtics. It must have been. That kind of <laughs> unbelievable against the Celtics. But also, you also mentioned earlier, um, this is the first time that the Celtics have had two players score 20 points in the first half of the same game since? Rajon Rondo. And Ray Allen. Yeah, that that's sorry. that's the that would be the Sacramento game. Yeah, yeah, I got a little ahead of myself there, honestly, but uh, I guess I really like the trivia. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so, um, I really have nothing else left on the Wizards game. I don't think. I mean, I think you know the the key takeaway is obviously Tatum, bad defense from the Wizards, um, and you know Marcus getting Marcus back really. really I got one more team. thing to add, though. I got what? one more thing to add in that game. So everyone wants to talk about Jason Tatum and the 50-point game, 51-point game. It's fine. You can you can talk about the offense. But I want to bring light to something even more important in Jason Tatum's game, and that part that I really think is very overlooked. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about his, de- his great defense against the Wizards. Wizards players shot 4 of 15. That's 26.6% while being guarded by Jason Tatum. Elite. Drop mic. Drop mic. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely elite. Jason Tatum, defensive player. Yes, thank you. Elite two-way wing. These guys like these don't grow on trees, so all I got to say is value them while you still can, and let's hope he retires in Kelly Green, man. And, and then, um, Oh, go ahead. I think then, um, since just to kind of lead into the Kings thing a little bit. Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, hold on. I kind of had a good transition I want to do. Uh, okay, go ahead. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it. So, you know, the last thing I'll say just to, ta- to to finish up the Wizards game is uh, Marcus Smart finished this game as a plus 36. Uh, Patrick, can you please guess Marcus Smart's plus minus from the Kings game? Plus 41. Plus 36 in back-to-back games. Imagine being a plus 72 in two games. That is crazy. And, Patrick, you know I don't like single-game plus-minus. But Marcus Smart, you know, come on, man. That just – he impacts the game in an insane way. This guy had zero points tonight and was a plus 36. 0 for 3 of shooting, plus 36. Full playmaker, smart, love it. Yes. But so, yeah, we won this game. Uh, the Celtics won this game 128 to 75. I mean, Patrick, this may be the best game the Celtics have played all season and definitely the first time they have put four complete quarters of basketball together in a row. Yeah, uh, I think this was a great game. Uh, I thought the quote before the game was hilarious from Ime because Ime was asked about his time playing with the Kings. I don't know if you've seen this quote, but there's only four words. It's only four word quote. And he goes, a rough go, honestly. And how the game ended up turning out, you can't blame the man. I don't think that quote can come out and then the game would go the way it went because, like, he would be more fitting. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, but Celtics came out and really just put this, the Kings in their lap and, and smacked their 
smacked their butt and just said, hey, man, we're just going to take it to you. And this is – they just never let up. There was no point in this game where the Celtics kind of felt like they were going to go on like a little drought of nothing. Oh, yeah. I mean, exactly. Like, you text me during the game, this is one of the only leads that has ever felt safe, and I felt the exact same way. I won't lie, though. To be fair, was it was a, like 41 or 42 points, something like that. So. No, but there was a moment, Pat, where I was like, I'm like, oh, no, go down to 25. Oh, good time out, Ime. And, uh, and uh, which just goes to show how the Celtics have been with leads. But, no, this was a phenomenal game. I mean, over these last two games, I have nothing negative, absolutely nothing negative to say, especially about tonight. Tonight was just you know, a complete game from the Celtics from start to finish from a lot of different people. Tatum finished the game with 36, six and four on 14 to 23 shooting. Um, you know, it's obviously a great game. He was showered again once with praise, but you mentioned uh, earlier that, you know, Jalen might've been, this is game tonight was flying under the radar. He had 30 and 10, three assists on only 19 shots, man. So Really love to see that from Jason and Jalen. You know, people always like to talk. They can't play together, this and that, which, you know, Patrick and I do not agree with. But they do struggle to have elite games both in the same game. And this was finally so good to see them both making their jumpers, you know, making all the right plays uh, in the same game tonight. Yeah. And then that first quarter, this so I, I thought there were some funny funny stats in, the, in this first quarter. So Celtics led 38 to 13 after the first quarter. The Celtics had 14 points in the paint in the first quarter alone. That was more than the Kings had total points, 13. Then the Celtics also had made seven three-pointers in the first quarter. The Kings made a total of five field goals in the first quarter. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go bizarre. out on a limb here, Patrick. I'm going to go in here on a limb and say that is bad, bad, bad for the Kings, right? That's just on a limb there. I'm going to take a chance and say that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> scoring 13 points in a, a quarter in the NBA game, uh, not great, Bob, not great. You know, I'm paid for four, <laughs> 52 points on the whole game, and uh, not great. No, and this is another uh, – yeah, that's just – God awful, but this is another good shooting game from the Celtics. I meant to say this uh, with the Wizards game. So the Celtics shot 20 for 45 tonight, which is good for 44.4%. You know, Patrick, against the Wizards, the Celtics actually shot better from three than they did the field, which is shocking. They shot almost 50% from the three from three-point land. So obviously, you know, those are going to come out. You know, the shooting, like uh, – you're not always going to shoot, you know, 45, 50% on 40 attempts like we have, you know, the last couple of games. But, you know, it does feel like, you know, Jason was a big, you know, he was struggling with the shot. You know, he picks that up. Our shots are going to, our, our three-point percentage will rise as a team. Also, I don't have how many fast break points we had um, tonight, but it did feel like the Celtics were out running a little bit more, which as we, you know, as we can assume, that's just going to create more, you know, open three-pointers in that. So that was good to see. At least it felt like, you know, we were playing out a little fast. Yeah, I think the Celtics were really good at uh, getting better, picking up the pace and kind of getting out in transition and taking advantage of opportunities. And we haven't been great in transition, but tonight it seemed like we were able to finish a lot of those transition buckets. Uh, let's see. And then also we talked about Jalen Brown having a really good game. I wanted to shout out that Jalen Brown did move into the sixth place on the Celtics on the all-time three-point makes list. Uh, 
crazy. I, when I saw that stat, my jaw dropped. I mean, oh, you seen the stat? You seen the stat? On the yeah, they they put the little graphic up on the TV uh, during the game. Do you know who the five people are that are above oh, Jalen Brown? Can you name the players? Okay, I saw the stat, but okay, I'm gonna go. Up, uh, you know, obviously Larry and the Truth were on there, right? Or Larry Who's is sixth. Above, who, Larry is Larry sixth. seventh. No, Jalen Brown is sixth. Larry Bird is seventh. Who are the five people above Jalen Brown at one, two, three, so, four, and five? Tatum. You only have to get him in order. Tatum, Tatum is one is of them. Five. Yep. Tatum is five. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Pierce is on the list, but he's on there. Pierce. Pierce is on there. He's number one. Okay, I'm gonna be. It's Ray is on there. Ray is on there. He's third. Okay, so I'm missing two. There's two more. Yes. Oh geez, where did any of them play in the eighties? No. Okay, so it's all my, one of them. Avery Bradley. One of Avery, them. Bradley Avery Bradley is one of them. Nope. Wow, really? Do you want a hint? Yeah, give me a hint. Give me a hint. One of these players on the list that you haven't mentioned played with Paul Pierce. Another player on this list that you haven't mentioned has played with Jalen Brown. Isaiah. Nope. Um. Why did? Why do I? Bro, this is gonna be so wrong. I can't even say it, but I played with. Uh, you say they played with uh, Paul Pierce. Yep. Oh, it's Twan. Yep, it's Antoine Walker. I can't believe he's I didn't second, get that. Honestly, he's second on the list. Yeah, well, so the know, last person on the list has played with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Jake. Oh no, no, never mind, never mind. I don't know who is it. He's on the current team. Oh. He's he's the oh longest. Oh my god, Celtic. you're joking! No way, <laughs> smart. Marcus Smart oh. is fourth in made three pointers in Boston Celtics history, above Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Listen, I feel like I'm about as serious as a Boston Celtics fan as it gets. I've been following my whole life, bro. Marcus Smart did not even enter my fucking my, my freaking mind. Um, you know, for the answer to this question, I, I was about to say no. I'm not even gonna say, it, but I really guessed Avery Bradley before Marcus. That is crazy. Remember, Marcus Smart is the longest tenured Celtic right now oh. on the roster. Goodness. That is crazy. And yeah, also, so Marcus, you know, Marcus, how many? Okay, here's here's a funny one. How many more three pointers made in in Celtics history does Marcus Smart have than Larry Bird? Don't. Bro, if it's over <laughs> two hundred. We might end the podcast right now. It's not. It's not. Okay. It's not. We're good. We're good. Okay, one hundred twenty-seven. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. It's it's not that much at okay, all. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> it's eighty five. Um, that's still too many, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus Smart is and counting. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, okay, just so thought on, that, was a, that was I have a, a okay, I have some good trivia. trivia. I have a, a good trivia, and then we'll move on from the trivia here. Okay, so Jason Tatum has twelve less three pointers made than Marcus Smart. Only twelve less. No, no, 19, 19. Oh, yeah, yeah, after tonight, after tonight. It's 12, I think. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know if this list is updated for tonight or – or it had to be because Tatum made more threes. So Let's see. Fun. How many does he have on your list total, Jason Tatum? My list he has, Yeah, it's updated. Okay, okay. So that's that's 12 between those two players. How mm-hmm. many attempts is between Smart and Tatum, do you think? Oh, man, I'm guessing like – Oh 362. God. You were close. This answer is hilarious. I swear I am not making this up, but the answer is 420. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that just shows you, that just goes to show you how efficient uh, 
how efficient, you know, Tatum has been in his first five years in the league as a shooter. And, you know, why that's like kind of why, you know, we have to remember not to get boiled down into these like slumps that he has. Because he's shown us, like you said before, like he's shown us that he can, you know, have some of these shooting slumps, but he's just such a good shooter that, you know, I'm confident he'll always uh he'll bounce back out of that. And I think the numbers absolutely bear that out. So I'm just loving this. I'm just loving this, you know, three point ace Jason Tatum that we've seen in the last Oh, I, I have as well. And even Jalen Brown um, coming together here this game as well. We talked about how great Tatum and Brown were tonight. They checked out of this game for a good like good part after that third quarter, right? They like checked out a little bit, probably like six minutes left or so in that four, uh, third quarter and never came back in. Combined for 66 points. Just to put this in perspective, the Kings finally tied – Jalen and Jason's points total with four minutes and 30 seconds left in the game. That is. If Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum had stayed in this game, I'm I'm pretty well certain that they would have outscored the Kings. Can you imagine themselves. if we had a Just couple 50 too. pieces on our hands? My goodness. Oh, yeah. If they both were playing and the Kings pieces, aren't playing their G League team. Pieces. I, I, yeah, all it would have taken was Tatum with four points and I think Brown with 30. Uh, he So he would need 10 more. Yeah. So four for Tatum, 10 for Brown. I and mean, Brown goes on little tears. Like he'll have like a little, here's a couple threes, here's a couple layups and an and one, and he'll be there. And then Tatum with just four points is like an easy couple buckets. Yeah. One. And I mean, as much as we've, you know, talked about how amazing, you know, Jason and Jalen were and the shooting has been the last two games. Um, I do think, like, like we have to mention the defense because, you know, like you said, you know, the Kings, they kind of rolled out the JV squad, no De'Aaron Fox. I mean, he's kind of their – he hasn't played amazing this year, but he's kind of their engine of their offense. You know, Halliburton's a really good player, but obviously Fox, you know, is a very high caliber player uh, uh, as well, even though, you know, people seem a little down on him. But to hold the team to 75 points, right, is really impressive. And on top of that – the Kings only had one player in double digits, and it's Buddy Heald um, with 11 points. So if the only double-digit score has 11 points, uh, you know you played a phenomenal. Celtics were great defensively. I thought Robert Williams looked good. Grant Williams looked good. You had uh, moments Tatum was really solid on defense. Marcus Smart was uh, a menace and just snatching up Tyrese Halliburton's life. Tyrese Halliburton's a really good player, but Marcus Smart said, "I don't care who you are, but you're not you're not getting anything on me tonight." And he played really well against uh, Tyrese Halliburton, who is a really solid player. And then also on top of it, it wasn't it wasn't just about the Jays tonight. It really wasn't uh, a big thing that the Celtics are were having was health. Health was on their side tonight. They had a full roster. And we, I told Lucas this right before the we started the podcast was the the Celtics starters had a plus seventeen point eight net rating entering tonight's game, and after outscoring the Knicks forty two to twenty three over fourteen minutes played together, the Celtics starters now have a plus twenty one point nine net rating over a hundred and seventy four minutes together. That's going to be good for. I know it was number two. Um, Number two in the league um, with at least 150 minutes played. Hold on. Let me – I'm just going to pull up this tweet really quickly. I don't want to give this guy credit. 
um, because someone I follow, um, you guys should listen. His name is Max Liss MX14 L I S S MX14. You know, tweets a lot of good uh, Celtic stuff, and you know, he basically tweeted out that the uh, the Celtics um, that lineup you said the starters um, with at least 150 minutes played had the second best net rating in the league. And uh, after tonight, they probably have the best rating in the league. Honestly, I probably they'll probably jump that number one that was in front of them. Um, but you know, everybody did play, and like you said, you know, Patrick Robert Williams, um, you know, he was cleaning up the glass. He had 17 rebounds, and um, you know, we uh, I actually decided tonight um, to start both Jalen Brown and Robert Williams in fantasy basketball, thanks to the advice that I got from the at Ethos Fantasy BK account on Twitter, fantasy basketball account. They give the best advice, man. Really helped me dominating my league. So make sure you go check them out. Give them a follow, man. Uh, the the Ethos Sports Fantasy team, man. I promise you guys. Uh, I'm a big fantasy guy, so I wouldn't say this if I didn't believe it, man. You can really trust them, and I think uh, you know we have a couple people on our on our staff that are like. Uh, some of the best fantasy basketball people out there in general, not just, you know, that I know or anything like they've really been covering the game for years. And uh, so make sure you go follow them if you guys play, because I know. Go, go follow man and make some money. And exactly. honestly, like you won't regret it. Um, but something that some people might regret is trying to guard Aaron e. Smith when he tries to do a jab step because Aaron e. Smith came in there with the deadliest jab step I've ever seen in my life. Drops a guy, gets the finish. And one, baby. And one. Aaron Three Smith getting his three points in new ways. Bro, I really yelled almost at the top of my lungs when Aaron Three Smith <laughs> dropped somebody because, <laughs> listen, uh, there are You certain... text me. You text me. I think in you all caps. text me. In all caps. I was yelling. <laughs> um, no, like, there's a lot There's a lot of things that I expect from Aaron Neesmith, right? I can expect him to, man, I can expect him to make some three-pointers. Uh, you know, I can expect Which him he to, did, which he did. And I can expect him to try his butt off on defense. But what I do not expect from Aaron Neesmith is making somebody fall down with a jab step. And uh, it, was glo- it was as glorious. If you didn't see the game, it's as glorious as we're making it sound. I mean, he dropped the guy. The guy fell down. Tried to foul him to prevent the highlight. And Neesmith just goes through him and finishes um i honestly you know i've been pretty vocal about you know being willing to move aaron neesmith in a trade and i still am if it's a needle mover shame however, shame. however the only shame thing, no listen if it's, a, if it's a good player who is you know proven and is a knockdown shooter you know boom i'm taking that all day but hopefully it doesn't get lost in how i talk about him this guy has potential and if we keep him i'm happy because uh not just because he dropped somebody with a jab step either. Because, you know, he has a great motor. He's a capable shooter. And he's honestly really athletic, even if, you know, it doesn't seem like he's a, you know, a jump out of the gym type of guy. He does make some crazy athletic plays. So uh, uh, I'm not uh, I'm not mad if we keep Neesmith, honestly. I, I would be happy still. But, you know, I just want to put that out there because I don't want to sound like I'm done on the guy. I never think he'll be good. Um, Did you say just, you'd you know, be happy? Did you say you'd be happy if I'd we kept happy. him? I'd be happy if we kept him, man. I wouldn't be upset. Unless I think I think that's the first time I've heard you say I'd be happy to keep Neesmith and honestly, since af- since since after the after preseason. No, and let me give Neesmith some credit, man, because I wouldn't be talking about it. There's a reason that Neesmith's name comes up more than Romeo. No offense to Romeo, it's because I feel that Neesmith could actually garner some trade value because he has a future. So that's why his name comes up more than a lot of the other young guys. You know, simply just because I think he actually will be able to return some value. 
Um, you know, and he's not quite ready yet, like a guy like Grant Williams. Um, so, you know, I bring his name up a little more than Grant, but Smith has a high ceiling as a player. And, uh, you know, I honestly think the Celtics, uh, would not regret, would not regret, uh, keeping him as opposed to trading him. Look at me showering Smith with praise. I still believe in this man. Aaron Neesmith was was really solid at the end of this game. I also wanted to shout out to the bench. The bench came in uh, later in the third quarter and played the whole fourth quarter really well. They finished out this game. They they caught it the lead all the way up to sixty. I was hoping that they'd uh, break the record for biggest victory margin of victory in Celtics history. Which could you guess the that score that that margin? There, Lucas. What do you think the biggest margin of victory for the Boston Celtics was? You said the biggest margin of victory. Sorry, I got a phone mm-hmm. call. Um, yep. It's against the Knicks. That's fifty-four, I think. You're you're close. It was fifty-six against the Knicks, though. It was against the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that game like it was yesterday, man. We absolutely destroyed the Knicks, and we won. We won by fifty-five. Fifty-five. Wow. Ah, we had it all the way up to 60, though, man. Uh, thoughts. Aaron E. Smith came in, played great. Pritchard had some moments which were really nice. Love that he got the opportunity to, to play some good minutes there. I did think, and I did text Lucas when this happened. I wondered, um, I was like looking at, at Romeo and was like, man, why did Romeo not get any playing time? Until he went in around the nine minute and three second mark in the fourth quarter. So I just, it was kind of weird. Uh, I didn't understand it. Maybe he's a little bit in the doghouse right now. Uh, not 100% sure. But Romeo got some minutes late. And then it looked like he kind of got hurt in that fourth quarter with uh, about 40 seconds left. Looks like he banged something up. But hoping that the Celtics here can. Um, really steered themselves in the right direction. I think this team is headed in a good good place. Mentally, they have been through a lot this season. And honestly, we're getting so close to that all-star break that if we can just string together some wins and just build some confidence and then get the guys a nice little reset, they can go, hey, man, we just went into this all-star break playing well. Take a break, vacation, be with your family, friends, have a good time. And then come back in the second half of the season and just come out with a lot better tempo, a lot better energy, a lot better education of the system that you're trying to run. I think that can do a lot for Yeah, you know, I agree. Um, I just think like, you know, like you said, uh, we can get into the all-star break on a high, you know, playing well, you know, winning two out of every three, three, hopefully three out of every four games about, you know, like kind of tearing off you know, playing some really good basketball, winning a lot of close games. Like you said, man, take some time to reset, refocus. Make sure to get yourself, you know, in that playoff mode because the playoffs will be here before you know it after the All-Star break. So I really think that can make a difference, you know, if we decide to pick it up. Because honestly, if the Celtics go into the All-Star break and we're under 500, you know, we could see some, you know, drastic changes, you know, Neesmith minutes going up, Romeo minutes going up. Tatum minutes going down, you know. Um, but, you know, that's just me, you know, speculating. And I really don't think we're going to be going into the All-Star break with the under 500 record. And maybe that's the almost 60-point win, Patrick. But, you know, 
Hey, man, I feel like the Lucas that was here before the season started is creeping back. I think he's – we're reeling him back in. We're reeling Listen, him I back said in. You know, I, uh, I had lost – I said before the show, I said, man, don't let me don't let me stop believing in myself because real, real, real team. And uh, I think that Patrick, if we make a, any certain move with the deadline that that improve our team, I'm going to be willing to say we can beat almost anyone. Because if people – with if Tatum and Brown can play, you know, as good games as they play, when you're touching your mic, man – yeah. So if the Celtics are, you know, if Tatum and Brown are able to, uh, you know, play as elite game as they were tonight, um, you know, in a playoff series, you. I think we're losing Lucas there a little bit, but no, I th- I think that the Celtics team is has a chance to kind of get some momentum. You know, like the second half team, they really, they're really a team that can, can start doing something and, and really start to put the pressure on other teams. They've been playing really well as of these last two games. I think this is kind of build on. They do have the Hawks on Friday, and then they end up following the Hawks uh, with, I believe it's, is it, who is it? Let's see here. You have the Hawks game coming up, and then we also have the Pelicans right after. So it's going to be a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday with the Hawks and Pelicans. Uh, Celtics can make up some ground in the East. You know, they're still only six games back from first seed in the in the Eastern Conference, which is crazy to say with how the season has gone. But there's a lot of room to grow. Like even from between them and and the Sixers, who are six. There's only four games, and from the Sixers who are in sixth seed, there's two games between them and the Miami Heat for first seed. So the Celtic team can really progressively get better and possibly make a make a nice little standing run to kind of jump in the season. Yeah, you're having some mic difficulties. I am. Okay, we're good. We're good. Oh. I think we're good now, but honestly, yeah. So down the yeah, I would just mark that down. Then uh, an hour and fifty-two in there. We're gonna hit it. Yeah, right. Come on, stay going down. It's still going down. It's still going down. Yeah, big time. All right. Okay. Um. Just yeah. So about one fifty-two and a half. I would just check on the thing. Um. So yeah, the Celtics schedule. I mean, the rest of the year, man. I mean, obviously, you know, we're gonna have some you know tough games. Um, of course, you know, there's still a lot of games left in the season. But for the most part, I mean, the schedule is is very favorable down the stretch. Um, you know, I really think, like Patrick was just saying, you know, we could definitely make up some ground, um, you know, on the standings. Only six games back from the one seed. So that doesn't even seem real, saying that out loud. Um, and obviously, I don't think we're going to be pining for the one seed. But I sure do think we can make up some ground on some of those more, you know, Dare I say three through like three through us, you know, because the Bulls are dealing with a lot of injuries right now. I expect them to drop a lot of games because Levine was balling. Lonzo was really playing well. So, you know, the Bulls are probably and that is it sucks. Those guys got injured, man. Uh, those are actually two of my favorite players to watch in the league, man. With them, DeRozan, you know, they really put it together this year. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, they're facing those injuries. So they'll probably drop a lot of games. Um 
you know, so I think the Celtics have some real chance to make up some ground here. I really do. And Patrick's back, and you, I hear you. Oh, uh, yes. I'm um, sorry for the technical difficulties, but I also think a team that could possibly end up dropping from the standings is Cleveland. Uh, they've taken a pretty big hit as far as their guards go, and they're in the market to try and find a guard. You know, no Ricky Rubio the rest of the year, no Colin Sexton. Kind of struggling with that second guard, uh, even though they have Garland, who's been playing like an all star this year. Uh, a team that sits at the fifth seed, they're 29 and 19. You can definitely see maybe a slip off for them uh, coming down and, and being more of a playing team than they are a, a fifth seed above Philly, which is crazy to see the Cleveland Cavs being so good so early on. They're, they're literally one win away from, being, from matching the, the Milwaukee Bucks, and they have the same amount of wins as Brooklyn Nets, which is absolutely absurd. Yeah, that's a lot of thanks to your uh... – Thanks to your guy, Evan Mobley, USC legend, man. He's been awesome this year. Uh, you were big on him in the draft, so, you know, we'll have to keep an eye on uh, – because we have a first-round pick this year, Pat. So going to have to do a lot of draft coverage too, postseason, but I'm getting ahead of myself there. Uh, yeah, I expect, you know, the Cavaliers to definitely drop some more games. They lost – you know, like you said, Rubio is having the best season of his career, really. And uh, losing him definitely hurts. But I just want to – Kind of finish up, uh, finish up the show here, maybe with some potential trade targets. You know, it's, uh, it's getting to that point, as you know, you know, towards the deadline where everybody likes to talk about trades. You know, we haven't talked about a ton, but, uh, here's a guy who, uh, is having a career year very late into his career. He provides a lot of shoot, a lot of knockdown shooting and is kind of what the Celtics need in the guard spot, but it's a little too pricey in the contract for me personally. Eric Gordon. No, I, I like I like Aaron Gordon. I, I think he'd be a, a just for the record. I could eat what the Celtics Eric, need. Eric. Yes. A, okay. Yeah, Houston I wasn't blocks. sure. I thought I heard Aaron for a second. No, no, no. You're good. Um, I think that's a good uh, a good guy to kind of target. I, I do think he is somebody that fills a role that we need. We need that outside shooting really well, and I think that's something that he could definitely provide. I don't like the contract at all, and I think it limits us as far as what we want to do moving forward. But I, I do understand that. Uh, there's another guy that I'm kind of interested in uh, as well on the Indiana Pacers is Holiday. I think I believe it's Justin Holiday, that brother, right? Is that the one that's on the Indiana? I think he would be an interesting target uh, for the Celtics, maybe – Give up a young guy, maybe just give up a, a second, maybe a second round pick or two second round picks to maybe go and snag him just because it seems like Indiana Pacers are kind of looking to kind of have a little fire sale with their team and, and start in a new direction. So, just something that I have really looked at and was like, man, having Justin Holiday would, would definitely be a nice little boost to our shooting and what we're trying to do. Yeah, no, I like that. That's a really realistic name, man. It's not going to cost too much. Um, but, you know, when it comes to, you know, hypothetical trades, as much as we like realism, we like, you know, a little bit of fantasy better. So, Patrick, I'm going to raise you one on the Pacers. Oh, no. Romeo Langford and a 2024 first for Karis LeVert. Yes or no? Uh, or Neesmith, or yeah, Neesmith and a first round pick in like 2026. 
I, I like the Romeo side more. I like giving him Agreed. Romeo more. Uh, yeah, why not? Uh, but before, you know what would be really interesting? What would it, what would it take to get TJ Warren? He would be an awesome backup wing. I don't know what they're selling him at, um, but I, I think I think he could start at the four. We'd have a lot of offense. Because this is this is my thing, right? If you get TJ Warren, we let him. We can even let him recover the rest of this year. Um, I understand this year. Maybe he comes back late season. Maybe he comes back next season. It doesn't matter. That more importantly is we have him and he can rehab with us. Seeing him play the four. If we're able to move off of Hal Horford, and then you have Robert Williams, TJ Warren, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Yeah, I like that. Don't get me wrong. I definitely like that. He probably wouldn't cost too much either, you know, like you said, knowing that he's rehabbing right now. Um, but the Pacers, that's definitely somebody that, I mean, Brad, you know, Indiana guy, you know, that does not going to do anything as far as the Pacers are concerned. But, you know, maybe he's paid attention to the Pacers a little more than most, and, you know, can maybe figure out a deal. Like you said, honestly, I think the holiday one, that's a good shot. Second round picks, you know, down the road, we have some extra ones. That's just a guy who we could get in with a shooter. He's not going to, you know, make us a title contender or anything, but he's definitely going to make us a better team if, you know, we don't have to really sacrifice anything. So I, I really like that one. And then, uh, you know, lastly, um, I'm trying to think of one more trade target. You know what? No, who cares? We don't need to talk about changing this team up right now. When we're coming off such a glorious victory, you know. I do want to throw one more out. Though. Oh, you can go I ahead. Do. I'll let you do the honors. All right. The, another guy that I would like to keep an eye on, uh, and I would just want to know what interested in what he might cost is Malik Beasley of the Timberwolves of the Minnesota Timberwolves. I like Malik Beasley, um, a guard that can really handle the rock and also get you buckets when you need them. Uh, my my proposal is to do a, a Dennis Schroeder and a second round pick type swap for uh, getting Malik Beasley onto this roster. You know, also, I'm not a very uh, not very against uh, baby going and grabbing Ricky Rubio and holding on to him for a year. Yeah, he's um, but the thing is, is he only signed that one year deal, so he's going to be. A, get the, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. I believe he signed a one year deal with the. Uh, I think it was two. Oh, it's not a two-year deal, then. You know, I'm okay with that for sure. You know, as, as more of a future move. Um, you know, I do like. I I, I am okay with that deal, obviously, and you know, I think it's pretty fair, value-wise. However, I don't think they're gonna want. It. We're gonna want. No, one. I don't think the Timberwolves are gonna want a point guard. Is what I said. Um, just because, you know, they're pretty deep at point guard. That's probably their deepest position. Um, so while I think it is pretty fair, um, you know, about from a value standpoint, I'm just not necessarily sure that's what they'd want from a player standpoint. Now, if you got Horford in there, maybe Lee Smith for, you know, Nas Reed and, uh, for, you know, your mic is spasm again, man. But it's all good. Uh, it's funny because yours is too. I think we both have spasm at the same time. So just make sure, yeah. We'll check this chip. Yeah, just check this part of the freaking pod, man. That's uh, fine. Okay. Um, I think the pod's trying to tell us that uh, wrap it up. Pretty- to wrap it up here, wrap it up here uh, at the Sports Ethos Podcast.
Yeah. But, uh, before we do wrap it up, we want to make sure you guys do follow Lucas and I on Twitter, Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer. You can also follow me uh, at Ballin Opinions. You can also go ahead and follow the show at Ethos Celtics as well on Twitter, but also go over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you leave a five-star rating on Spotify, five-star on Apple Podcasts, and write a review on Apple Podcasts for us because we do really appreciate all the love and support. Yeah, no, seriously, I mean, um, it really means a lot to us. You know, shout out to the listeners, uh, you know, who always come through on Spotify Green Room. You know, make sure you can always pull up live if you're listening now and, you know, would like to ask some questions. There's just maybe some things you'd like us to talk about that we don't talk about. Feel free to stop by Spotify Green Room uh, and, and, and come ask us that question or leave them in the comments of, you know, Apple Podcasts. I don't think you can quite leave comments on Spotify yet, but they're going to add that soon with the, uh, the, I know they just added the rating. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, thanks to everyone who shows up, you know, rate, review, share, please, as much as possible. We greatly appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully the Celtics can keep this going. You know, Patrick has been good, man. Good vibes. Hopefully, keep the good vibes going. And I'll try to remain this positive, even if we podcast after a loss. But it will. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, hopefully, we'll see everybody after the two back-to-back games. We have the Hawks coming up on Friday, and then we have um, the Pelicans again on Saturday for their back-to-backs. Lucas and I will be there for the after after those post games as well, give you guys covers you guys deserve and need and make sure you guys tune in. Um, that's all for me though, uh, here at the ethos sports ethos. All for me as well, Patrick, this is a pleasure tonight, man, as always, you know, hopefully keep the good vibes rolling for the next couple shows, man, everybody, you know, have a good evening. We're out.